Welcome to the Kinjas Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the f we want. Folks, today we have Jaspreet Singh in the pod. Man, my mind is blown with this episode. This dude is a well of knowledge. What I got from him, he talks about a lot of very complex things regarding money, finance, investing, and all that. But what I just really enjoyed and appreciated about him was just his ability to break things down in a way where it's so understandable and digestible and there's so much more to tap into with this guy but like in this quick like hour plus conversation i think he just dumped a lot in a way where uh one it was really enjoyable just getting to know the guy but like there's so much here and there's so much for our audience to like continue to like learn from this guy and i think this is just kind of the beginning of it but uh i'm a little bit overwhelmed but in the best way I love this episode. This is, this is literally, I think this is going to be one of our most valuable Absolutely. episodes yeah. to the right listeners out there. Um, there were so many things that we were talking about where I remember when I was in my early 20s, I wish I would have just done some of this stuff. I wish I would have just, you know, heard the basic advice and maybe would have done some of the stuff, but it took me years to understand the difference, you know, and especially coming from like a, you know, dancer's background too. Like, man, all the times I just wanted to stunt and floss and stuff when I should have been <laughs> yeah. investing like that. Yeah. That is just the biggest thing now in my 30s that I'm like, yo, anybody who's still out there, there's always a start. It doesn't have to be big. You just got to start and being able to talk about some of that stuff today in our space was such a blessing so we really hope you enjoy this one keep your ears open i mean this dude is the dude so enjoy y'all folks welcome or welcome back to kinja's movement in the shadows we are your host ben and anthony and we are very excited for today's guest today we have serial entrepreneur and licensed attorney who is on a mission to spread financial education his YouTube channel has over 1.5 million subscribers. We have self-taught chief executive money nerd at the Minority Mindset Companies and the Minority Mindset YouTube channel. We have Jaspreet Singh in the pod today. Wow. Thank you, man. Thank beep, you beep, for beep, having beep. me. And that was a very nice introduction. I, well, I just kind of pulled it off of your website. I'm oh, is that on my website? Yeah, I was so going to say, can I borrow that from you? So <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that. Well, Jaspreet, first time guest, we love to get into origin stories. Yeah. And however deep or whatever you want to get into, like how you grew up, where you grew up, the whole thing. Feel yeah. Feel to walk us through. Sure. I mean, my parents uh, are immigrants. They came from uh, a state in India called Punjab. And uh, like a lot of immigrants, they didn't come here with too much, but they wanted to hustle, you know, came for the better life. And so I was born here uh, in the Metro Detroit area and growing up like a lot of uh, first generation immigrants, my parents were very strict on education. They're like, you got to study hard. And they gave me two options. I could either be a doctor or I could be a failure. The choice was mine. Doctor or failure. So it was like, you pick which way you want to go. At least you had a choice. I, I did have a choice. So uh, it was it was like super strict because like they were 
very like adamant that like as soon as like I started talking, they started telling everybody, Jaspreet is going to be a doctor. And I was like, oh, all right. So I guess I got to be a doctor. And it's hard, I think, especially like if you don't grow up in that type of household to understand how strict it can be. The best example that I have is like when I was in eighth grade, I was like 12 years old. I was about to fail my English class because my parents were like, don't worry about English. You don't need English to be a doctor. <laughs> all you need is your math and sciences. As long as you got an A plus in those classes, you're good. But they got me a tutor. Now I'm thinking I'm going to get a tutor for the English class that I'm struggling in. The guy comes to the door. He's a tutor to help me with the MCAT, the medical college admission test, which is the test you take when you're in college to get into medical school. And here I am, this 12-year-old kid. I've never even taken a proper biology class. And he's like, you expect me to teach this guy? And so that's how strict my parents were. That like, you have to be a doctor. If you're not doing something that's educational, it's a waste of time. Playing sports, waste of time but I wanted to play football. So I kind of like, I did it anyways uh, through a lot of fights. And in the back of my mind, I knew I wanted to do something different. I had this like entrepreneurial bug, started working at weddings. I used to play this drum called the dole. So I started playing this drum at weddings and I didn't tell my parents I was doing that. I told them I was hanging out with my friends. So I was making a little bit of money doing these things. And I had to be very selective with which weddings I worked at because if there was potential people that would like clash or would know my parents, I had to like avoid those right, weddings right, and yeah. refer those ones out. How old were you at the time? I started doing this when I was like, I actually first started when I was like 13. And then I really got into it when I was like 14, 15, 16. Damn. Time out. What do, you, what do your parents do? So my dad was educated as a veterinarian. Uh, but when he came to this country, he didn't have any license. So he had to work uh, as a janitor, but then got fired from that job. Then he worked in a manufacturing assembly line where they were like VHS disc, like a movie. So he would like add flyers to movies. And then he kind of slowly worked as a technician. Then he eventually got a job as a veterinarian and then kind of did that. Oh, wow. My mom. Um, dope. Yeah, my mom did a bunch of things. Kind of, uh, She was a technician for a little while. She worked as a real estate agent. Uh, she was uh, stayed at home for a little while. So my mom kind of like hopped around between jobs trying to figure out what exactly she wanted to do. So they were working a lot, especially my dad. Like my dad would pretty much work six days a week standard, sometimes seven. If we had Saturday and a Sunday off, that was like the long weekend. So he was really big on like yeah. no days off. We were okay financially. Like we, we were comfortable. So like when I was... Growing up, it was me, my mom, my dad. And then when I was born, my grandparents came from India as well. So they lived with us. So it was five of us. So you're the only child. And no then my brother was born okay. later on. So then it was six of us together. Yeah, man. So I started working at the weddings. And then when I was 16, one of the DJs that I was working with was like, hey, you know, a lot of kids in high school. How about we host a teen party? Like, okay, let's do that. So there was a new Indian restaurant in town and they wanted promotion. So the DJ that I was working with happened to like, I don't know how we met the owner. I think he just liked the food there. So he kept going there and they became friends. And he was like, hey, how about you let me host parties here? Now, it wasn't an Indian party. It was just a regular party at an Indian restaurant. So, you know, it was a teen <laughs> party, wherever you can get started. Yeah. So we started hosting parties here for free. The guy just wanted exposure. We would charge cover. And uh, that's kind of how I got into this event planning industry. So now I go to college. I don't know what to expect here in university in America. I didn't know that people go to college to party. I thought people go there to study. So I go to college. <laughs> a misconception. Yeah. I That's go, a good I one, get, though. I got to college and I, I, I don't even know what to bring. I don't even tell my parents I was going to college. It was such a weird thing because I think it was a Wednesday and I was like, mom, I'm leaving. 
She's like, where are you going? I said, college. She said, okay, when are you coming back? I said, I don't know. Because uh, I don't really know, how, I mean, how it worked, right? Like, I was like, I don't really, I only applied to one college. I was really, like, confused as to how the process works. So I don't have much guidance in that. Wait, somehow, so your parents didn't have this, like, you need to go to college thing? So no, they, they did. Okay. But they just assumed that I figured it out. So they didn't know what school. They didn't They're know. just like, just go to a college and you'll, you'll, you'll They were like, go, oh, my dad was like, go to Harvard. That's all he said. Like, go to Harvard, go to Harvard. And, but but I knew, I was like, I'm not getting into Harvard, so I'm not applying there. So all my dad said was go to Harvard or maybe go to Princeton. Were you always a studious, like, good student? I wasn't, like, like the smartest kid. I was like, probably, like, in the middle. Like, I, I got a lot of Bs, right, in high school. So I was like, I studied hard. I worked really hard in high school, but I wasn't, like, straight A student. So now I was like, I'm not going to Harvard. I'm not going to Princeton. I'm not going to the Ivy League. But I was like, well, let's see where I can go. I applied to the University of Michigan, which is the only school I applied to. And I was really focused on football at the time because it's like football is during the fall and that's when people apply to college. So I was like, I'll, I'll apply to one school. I like University of Michigan because I've heard of that school and I watch its football games. That would be cool. And that's really it. I knew it was a good school. And I applied there. And then... Um, the football season went on. We went to the state championship. So we like it extended really long. And then we lost the state championship. But I hadn't gotten into any college. And all of my friends are now like, oh, I got this acceptance letter. And I haven't gotten in anywhere. And I've also only applied to one school. So I was like, maybe I should do something about this. Like maybe I should like apply to another school. And the day <laughs> that I went to go open up the application to apply to a second school, I got into U of M. So I was like, well, I'm done. I got wow. into school. So I got into college. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then I got to the University of Michigan. And I brought like five things with me. I had a sleeping bag, a microwave, my backpack, and a couple other things. I just remember I didn't have a towel. You just <laughs> mentioned three or five. You couldn't remember the couple other things? I couldn't remember the <laughs> other two. Been That's a towel. 40%. It, it was, I know it wasn't a towel, and I know one of them wasn't a pencil, because my first pencil I found <laughs> on the ground. So I remember these things. So I, like, I brought some things, but I forgot like some of the essentials. And so I, I, you know, I just kind of went, and my dad called me that evening. He's like, where are you? I said, I'm in college. It's like, oh, okay. And so it was like, it was one of those things where I just kind of went and didn't really know what to do. So now I would get to college and I'm at my dorm and people start drinking. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? Cause I'm not exposed to that. Like young people drinking, young people partying. Like, yeah, I've seen it, but I was like, don't you we kind of hosted it though, right? I, well, yeah, I host, I host, yeah. And that, that's the thing. Like I hosted it, but I, I just thought like that's something you do like on a Friday night, right? Or right. maybe a Saturday. So this like, like sure. yeah, this is kind of shocking. This is happening at so school. We're right? on a Wednesday. Right. Like we're supposed to be like getting ready for school tomorrow. Like what's, it was kind of like, okay, what's going on here? So I thought, you know, it was an exception, but this just kept happening. And I saw how much money people were spending because I, I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I wasn't like doing that stuff. And people were just blowing money that they didn't have. And I was like, well, this is interesting. So I was like, well, why don't I bring this high school party business to college and figure it out and that's what i did so uh i started knocking on the doors of the clubs over there just just going there and ann arbor where university of michigan is a nice campus and so i'd go to these like venues and they were like yeah you can host a party here but we require a ten thousand dollar deposit it's like i don't got ten thousand dollars <laughs> right. like I, so i can't do that so you kept going until eventually i found this one club they were like yeah you can host parties here just give us 50 percent of uh the cover that you bring in so I was like, okay, it doesn't cost me anything. Then I talked to my DJ friends. They were like, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't pay us anything. We'll just take half of whatever you bring. So if we make $100, the club takes 50. The other DJ takes 25. I'm left with 25. Mm -hmm. But I was in business. 
And that's how I started. The event planning company started from there. It started off kind of rough, but uh, over the years, it started to grow. And it was a pretty, I mean, for a college, it was a pretty successful business. Yeah, man, that's how I started. And that's how I started getting into the whole world of entrepreneurship. That led me into investing. That led me into kind of wanting to do something different, realizing I don't want to be a doctor and going down that route. So what was about entrepreneurship that was exciting to you? I liked the idea of controlling what I do. I liked the idea of being in charge. I didn't like the idea of being an employee, first off. I, I didn't like the idea of working for somebody else, following somebody else's rules. I always did things different. Like that was like something I always did. Was that like a natural thing for you? Or do you feel like you were you maybe had some role models or, or something like that that you were following subconsciously even? So subconsciously, I think I got it from my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather mm. was really big. And I didn't realize that until like oh, maybe the last five years that like he always did things different than everybody else. You know, I just kind of thought it was normal because he was always like, if everyone is doing something, I'm going to do the complete opposite. If everybody believes something, I'm going to believe the opposite. And he was really big on that. And I think over the last few years, I realized, okay, I think this is like genetic. I got this from my grandfather. (laughs) So subconsciously, I think it was from him. I also started to get really angry. This was like between my sophomore and junior year, I'm studying to get into medical school now. I'm studying for the MCAT. And I started looking at rental properties because I was reading books. Like I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. So good. And man. I was like, hold on. Wait, what is this whole thing called real estate investing? Because I had never yeah. heard of this concept before. I didn't know any real estate investors. I never heard of like passive income. Like I was just like, what is this? Let me see if I can do this myself. And Michigan was hit really hard by the 2008 crash. So home prices were like rock bottom at this time. So I was like, well... Let's start looking, you know, if there's any rental properties for sale. And I had a little bit of cash saved up now from these parties that I was hosting. And I found a condo on sale for $8,400. That was the price of the condo. Wow. And I thought that was normal, right? Because like I'm this 19-year-old kid. I've never invested in real estate before. I've never really looked at real estate before. I don't know what real estate investing was. This is just the price that I see. So I have nothing to compare it to. I saw that previously the same condo sold for like 150 grand. But I was like, I guess this is normal. And so I, I looked at the condo. I made an offer because it was in foreclosure. Made an offer to the bank for $4,000. And they countered at seven grand. And I was like, no, that's too much money. How about 5000 or something like that? And then they came back and said that there's another potential buyer who made an offer. So give us your best offer. And I was like, okay, I kind of like this deal because I've looked at a few others. I'll offer $8,000 because I could afford that. They said, okay. They accepted my offer. The other guy who made the offer offered less than I did. And I closed on that property on August 23rd. And on August 22nd, I took the MCAT. Everyone was like celebrating. I went straight to the closing the next day to go close on this property. I bought the property. I was 19. I remember this because I went to the title company. And you know, like when you're 21, your ID turns this way. Before that, it's like vertical, right? And the title agent looks at this and she goes, I don't know if you're old enough to buy real estate. And I was like, uh oh. <laughs> and I'm at the closing. I brought the check with me. I'm like all ready to go. So she goes and calls her boss. She's like, can 19, like someone under 21 buy real estate? And they had to like go figure this out. And they were like, well, like, we don't, we can't figure it out. So I guess you're buying it. So uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. That's so I, I, I gave them the eight grand. They gave me the keys. And now I, I bought this property. And kind of the punchline that people love to hear is I rented it out for $600 a month. So now I was making like 250 to 300 bucks a month of profit. But the true story is this was the biggest pain of my life that I just signed up for <laughs> because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. 
I found a tenant myself, even though I had a property manager. Apparently, my property manager was like not even a real company because they're no longer in business. I don't think they were properly licensed at a property manager. They were just cheap. Yeah. And I was like, well, cheap is better, right? Because it's less, more, more money <laughs> right. for me. So they didn't do anything. I found the tenant. They moved the tenant in, but didn't sign a lease with the tenant. Wow. The tenant would have issues and call me instead of the property manager. Like I remember coming out of my classrooms and I would get calls from the tenant crying, like bawling her eyes out. I was cutting cucumbers just put it on the countertop. I missed the cucumber and I scratched the countertop. You have to give me a new countertop. And I'm like, I don't like, I'm like this lady, old lady just screaming at you about how she scratched the countertop because she missed the cucumber. Like, you, you're right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and now she wants me to buy her a new countertop and I don't know what to do. I'm like freaking out. I'm getting yelled at on the phone and I was like, okay, I'll buy you a new countertop. So I bought you a new countertop. For she, missing the cucumber. Wow. Missing the cucumber. Uh -huh. One day she calls me saying that this apartment's about to burn down because like they have this major electrical issue that the whole place is like, it's not safe to live in that like it's, it's on the verge of just being imploded. I freaked out. And this is after like multiple instances like this. So I felt really bad. So I, I took an envelope and I put like $50 of cash as like, here, let me help you. I get there. I gave her the cash. I bring an electrician. He looks at it. He goes, oh, the light bulb fused. That was it. And it's like, <laughs> so now I am dealing with all this stuff. And I was learning while I was doing. I didn't realize I was learning. I just thought I was going through like a big pain in the butt. <laughs> but, you know, that's like where I started learning. Okay. If I can figure this out and I can like figure out how to make this passive, I'm getting paid without me having to host a party. I'm getting mm -hmm. paid without me having to see a patient. Mm -hmm. And this, like I read about this idea of passive income in books, seeing it was a whole different thing. The crazy thing to me is that you're doing this at age like 19. Like I didn't get the idea of that in my head until like my mid twenties or later, you know what yeah. I mean? And and by that point, there's already this feeling of like regret, like oh my god, if I would I would have started sooner, then compounding my money would have been this, you know what I mean? Like just <laughs> different stuff like that. Would you say that like because you say you read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and it, so were books and things like that your sort of mentor? Because normally, you know, you'll have your your father kind of telling you yeah. like, hey, this is how you know money works, or this is how you should you know view work versus like your time and all that like that mentor figure was that mainly just through your own self-education yeah so i mean for financial education it started with books like my dad was definitely a role model like when it comes to like hard work and hustle my grandfather was for sure a role model like never given up because my grandfather he was a refugee he lost everything our state of Punjab was severed in 1947 and so if you were a sick the person of my religion and you were on the west side you had to come east or be killed and so he left his family and he literally fought for his life. He saw his uncle get his head chopped open in front of him when they got wow. attacked. And so he literally fought for his life. And all he had was a sword in his hand and the clothes on his body. He even lost his shoes along the way. So now he comes to the new India, no shoes, clothes, nothing, no money, nothing. Well, actually he had a little bit of money. It's a funny story because he, he laughs about it now. He's like, I had a little bit of money in my pocket, but I spent it all on one meal. Uh, because I didn't know the, how money really worked. And so mm. I, I was like, oh, this this looked delicious. So he's like, I spent all of it. And then I realized that now I have nothing. Like I have, <laughs> I have no money for food, no money for like anything. So he's like, I slept outside just in random areas. And um, eventually he like found, he randomly saw his brother on the new side of India who was riding his bicycle uh, on the street. And so he chased him down and said, hey, he's like, how did you get here? He's like, well, how did you get here? And he's like, hey, come with me. And so like his brother kind of like, 
took him under his wing for a little while and gave him a little bit of money and kind of didn't i mean his brother also had nothing because he also came to nothing but like now they're trying to work together to kind of figure out how to make a little bit of money so then you know he went came from that and then so you know he taught me a lot of lessons of like you don't complain you know you don't complain about problems you you deal with issues because mm-hmm. for him it was like if i complained i'd be killed so you know i had those role models but one of the things that he talks about is how for him poverty or poorness was the biggest disease because like in our religion giving back is a huge component of the religion it's called seva but he's like there was no concept of trying to help other people when you're starving yourself like yeah. you have no money mm-hmm. to feed yourself how am i supposed to go help somebody else right. you need to be able to take care of yourself so like the idea of you need to become successful was really important because if you want to be able to give back to your family take care of your family you want to take care of your community you got to be able to take care of yourself now how do you do that that's why i was like go become a doctor because everybody knows if you're a doctor you're like you're making good money right but what we don't understand is that's just a small piece of like the financial education puzzle and that's where now i read rich dad poor dad for the first time and i hated reading man like i i don't think i ever read a book cover to cover uh one Same, i'm not a reader dude i i struggled <laughs> with it and i i was like really bad at it like, i remember i i literally like almost failed my english class and I, I, like my grades were like a a a maybe an a minus or b plus or something then it was like d english and my parents <laughs> were kind of like whatever about it my mom was not happy about it well they didn't get you an english teacher they gave you an mcat they teacher. got me an mcat teacher so they were like <laughs> there was always like the thing was like your english grades don't matter because you don't need to be able to like you can speak just fine and like yeah you, if you can't spell something who cares as long as you can treat someone's surgery and whatever you'll be fine i was like okay it made sense to me. Then I picked up Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I used to be like this nerd when, when I used to go to India. I used to take all my backpack my and all my books because I'm like, I'm going to study all this time when I go to India. So I packed up my backpack. I was going to India and I put all my textbooks in there. I put Rich Dad Poor Dad in there for whatever reason. Actually, my dad gave me that book. And so I packed up my bag and I, I'm on the plane. And this is before like like you went to India, like now they have TVs and stuff on planes. Mm-hmm. Back then there was no TVs. It was, they had one central TV like in the aisleway and everybody would try to watch that. And it was a small black and white screen where they show these like boring Indian movies, which I didn't really want to watch. So you're on the plane for like, what, 14, 15 hours. Yeah. You get really bored and you're <laughs> sitting like this, like a sardine. And you're like, man, I need something to do. So I would, I'd you know, try to find things to do. And I picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad then. And I started reading. And for the first time, I was actually interested in it. And I was like, whoa, like either this guy is lying to me or I've been lied to. And so that was kind of like the first exposure, which then made me more interested. Then I started reading more books, doing more things. I did that first real estate deal. I did some more. And that's kind of like what really put me into that journey and then started learning. And I was like, you know what? I'm not being a doctor because this isn't going to work. And then the whole thing was I told my parents, I'm not going to be a doctor because they didn't know what I was really doing. They, I kind of told them I wanted to do real estate, but I kind of didn't tell them too much because they weren't really cool with the whole idea. And then when I said I didn't want to be a doctor, oh man, it was like all hell broke loose in my house, man. My mom literally didn't believe it. Like she was like, it, it can't be possible that you're not going to be a doctor. Like you have no other skills. Like, what are you going to do in life? I was like, mom, what if I be the CEO of a company? She's like, you're too dumb to be a CEO of a company. Like there's no way somebody like you could be <laughs> the CEO of a company. Like you... Like, what experience do you have? What knowledge do you have? You don't know anything about business. You can't do that. And I was like, I know, but I want to figure it out. I mean, it came out of love, right? They just didn't know anything else. It was just like, 
what we've been all so accustomed to. I think it took my mom like a year to 18 months to actually believe I'm not going to medical school. And it wasn't until like I'm like graduating college and I haven't applied to a single medical school that she's like, this is, he's serious. He's not going to medical yeah. school. So that's when they were like, you have to at least go become an attorney to keep some pride in the family. But for me, it was like, if I go to law school, I can do that part-time, but work on my business full-time. So that's what I did. I like did a whole bunch of businesses because now I had a few rental properties under my belt. I realized I need more money to buy more rental properties. And then I did anything that I could get my hands on. I first got my real estate salesperson's license. So I started selling real estate. I was wholesaling real estate, which is kind of like a form of flipping. But instead of actually buying the property, you're just entering into contract and flipping the contract. I got onto Amazon and eBay selling stuff online. I started a sock company. And some of these things would make a lot of money. Some of them were really bad. The Amazon company, it was we were me and my friend who was my business partner, I guess that's like the technical term. He was my boy. And so we were just buying things from China, selling them online. This is like more than 10 years ago. So this is before Amazon FBA, but people really knew what was going on. And the guys from China were like, yeah, we're 100% authentic resellers of this stuff. Like, oh, okay. They're legit. So we're buying a bunch of stuff and sell. And we started off small and we started really like, I don't know what happened, but we actually started to grow really quickly on Amazon. At our peak, we were probably making like one to $200 a day of profit, which when you're like 20 years old, it's a ton of money. Yeah, that's, a lot that's of great. money on the yeah. internet. And so we were like, we figured it out and we cracked the code. So now we're like buying a bunch of stuff from Amazon and we're selling it online. And then we got this letter from the authentic retailer for this company. And they were like, you're selling counterfeit stuff. We're going to sue you for $7 million. And so we were like, oh, we don't, have, <laughs> we don't have insurance. We don't have $7 million. So we shut everything down like that same day. We shut down the online store. We shut down the brand. We deleted anything that we had we're like just like hope it goes away and luckily it did so we got very fortunate with that but you know it was like a big learning process and that was kind of like what made me interested i I just love this idea of kind of creating something i knew that's what i wanted to do i knew i wanted to build something of my own and it was a whole process of learning what is a business what does it mean for a business to be scalable what kind of value can i provide and Going through that whole process of trying different things and like figuring it out, that's the thing that you can't really replicate. Because, you know, a lot of times people, especially on the internet, and this is the mistake a lot of people make and I see, is they're like, I want the five-step system to make 10 grand a month. Man, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. And it's mm. it sucks because like, you know, you can hear stories of like, dude, I went from nothing and I made 10 grand in 60 days by doing this. But what most people don't see when that happens is they went through two years of like a whole bunch of crap to learn how to do something that can make them 10 grand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the part where it's like, you cannot replace that. It is really tough if you want to do that. But the one thing that everybody can do, because not everybody should be an entrepreneur. Everybody can start investing. And the most important thing is just starting, whether it's with $1,000, $100, even $1 start. Because we're not taught this. And the later you start, the less wealth you will build. Somebody making 50 grand a year can become significantly wealthier than somebody making 100 grand a year, even if they invest the same percentage of their income. Because if you're 50, making 50 grand a year when you're 21, you invest 15% of that, $7,500 a year. You get the historical market return, 10%. And then you compare that to somebody making 100 grand a year who is partying in their 20s. They start when they're 30. 
they invest 15% of that, which is $15,000 a year. You get the same return. The dude that started when he's 21, who's investing half the money, is going to retire with more than a million dollars more money than the dude who's making twice as much money as him. And it's like, time is the most important thing. Why are we not taught this in high school? Why are we not taught this in college? If you start with $4 a day when you're 21, and that's all you do for the rest of your career, you can still retire a millionaire if you just invest $100 a month from 21 until 66 at the market historical return, you will retire a millionaire. But most people learn this so late and now you're trying to play catch up and then you get really overwhelmed and that's what makes it so difficult. Now, if you're 35 and you're watching this, it doesn't mean it's too late. It means you got to get started and actually learn and put in that effort. And that's that's the whole thing that I really try to push with minority mindset. It's like, look, we're not taught this stuff, man. And, and right. why are we not taught it? I got my own reasons. I really think that like the system is designed to keep people poor. It sounds really like weird to say that, and I get it, but like, dude, if more people were financially smart, it's going to be a lot harder to keep you in debt. Right. It's going to be a lot harder to get you to buy things that you don't need. It's going to be a lot harder to get you to like blow all your money because the more money you spend, the more money somebody else makes. Right. If I'm going and I'm and I'm going into debt and I'm buying a whole bunch of Gucci and Louis Vuitton, they're making more money. But if I'm smarter with my money, I'm spending less money. It's not so good for Gucci and Louis Vuitton in the short term, but. When I can build my wealth, then I can buy whatever I want. And so my whole thing is like, look, I'm not saying don't buy the nice stuff. Buy it when you can afford it. Make mm-hmm. yourself rich first. And it's a complete mindset shift. And this is where it's like, man, why aren't we taught this? And it, and that premise ended up building my businesses that I have now. Yeah, right, but it's like, right. it's that real that financial education that I really feel like we need to be taught this. So you're dropping so many freaking gems right now. So... We're talking about finance. We're talking about money. Yeah. In your opinion, what is money? What does money mean? What does money give opportunity to? Like, why should people care about financial wealth, abundance, freedom? Like, what is money to you? So money buys freedom. And that's all it really is. Money is not going to make you happier. Money is not going to make you feel more fulfilled. It can help you get there like because i don't want people to misinterpret that because if you don't have money you can be depressed you can be miserable you're not going to be able to pay your bills you're not going to be able to take your wife or your husband on that trip that they want you can't pay for your kids college you can't give your kids what they want i mean you you live this life of scarcity and then that not just that poorness transfers but that mindset transfers to the Mm. next generation because then then you know your kids are going to grow up and they can say they're going to say we can't afford that we don't have money for that and we go through this like there's generational like mindset more than just the bank account. Because people assume generational wealth is how much money I have. No, dude, it's in here. Because if you can teach your kids to say, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do whatever it takes to do it. Dude, you have the real wealth here. And this is a different currency of wealth. Mm-hmm. So money buys freedom. And this freedom can be, I'm going to go on a trip. Or it could be, I'm going to send my wife wherever she wants. Or this freedom can be, my parents are sick. I'm going to send them to the best hospital. And the big thing for me is like, look at the reality of what the world is, not what you want it to be. Because people will say, well, everybody deserves the best health care. Okay, not everybody gets the best health care. Who gets the best health care? People with the most money. Mm. And it's not going to make you a good person. It's not going to make you a bad person. It amplifies who you are. Mm. So we need more good people with money, right? The the thing that I say is like, I like food. And money is like icing. Your life is the cake. 
You can have a whole bunch of good icing, but if you have a crappy cake, it's not going <laughs> to cover it up. Right. You yeah. got to have the good cake and the icing makes it that much sweeter. Yeah. And understanding that money is just one aspect of life. I like to say that there's four like parts of life. If you want to live a full and fulfilled life, I call it my quadrifid theory, which is you first got to be physically fit. Now, I'm not saying you got to have a six pack, but if you're, if you can't breathe, if you are dying, if you are like morbidly obese, if you are, you know, that saying that a sick person wants one thing, but a healthy person can want a thousand things. When you are really unhealthy physically, you can't do anything. So you first got to just take care of your physical health. Yeah. Second is your mental fitness. And I'm so glad that now, especially in the Asian culture, it's starting to become a little bit more like aware where people are realizing, you know what? Mental health is important. If you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with anxiety, and like it's like a real thing. Because there's a difference between like, oh, I had a bad day, and like, yo, I'm depressed, and I can't get out of bed, and I don't want to do anything. Take care of that. Like, realize one, it's a thing, and it's okay, and you can get better, but you got to get help. And actually do something. Maybe you start with YouTube videos. Maybe you start listening to podcasts. Maybe read books. Maybe go into a rehab center. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it costs. Because if you are not okay mentally, it doesn't matter how much money you have. More money is going to make you more miserable. And we all know somebody, because I know people who are like, man, if I just made a million dollars, man, I'm going to find the right wife for me. I'm going to have all the nice stuff. Like you imagine this world that if I had more money, all my other problems in life would be solved. Yeah. And then some people achieve that money. And now you become even more miserable than ever before because you realize that money wasn't causing that like emptiness. So it's realizing that you got to make sure you're mentally okay. You're surrounded by people that you love and not surrounded by toxic relationships that you're, you're in a good, healthy mental environment. Then it's your spiritual fitness. And this is more like, what's your purpose? Like if you had all the money in the world, what, what's your reason to get out of bed now? You hear a lot of people who get rich become depressed is because they don't realize they have a purpose. I made the money. Now what do I do with my life? Like, am I done? What is the reason why you're on this earth? This is not something you have to know today, but starting to think about that. If money wasn't an issue, what would you do? And then finally is financial fitness. It's, all right, I got these other things, but I also want to make sure that I'm financially fit so I can do whatever I want financially, take care of my family financially, and take care of my community financially. Because the reality is, look, man, if you don't have money, you're going to be at the mercy of people who do have money. Mm, and, totally. And mm. this is where, look, get that money for yourself. Right. So, I mean, that means money is pretty dang important, right? And I say that because, like, you, you the other, you know, three parts of that right there are, like, body, mind, and soul. Yeah. Those are pretty, like, yeah. you know, in, in almost every concept, philosophy, religion, those are things that are, like, boom, boom, boom. You got to get this stuff straight. But like for you, like money is right there, like as like a fourth peg to a stool, you know what I mean? But and, and I appreciate that actually. I respect that a lot because to just hear somebody actually kind of put it up at that pedestal of the same level of importance as like your body fitness, your mental fitness, your spiritual fitness. Um, I do want to ask you though, like, what's your purpose? So, you know, uh, and that, that's a great question. Like I, I think about like, you know, if I was 70 years old, I had all the money in the world, what would I do? And I wouldn't do anything different than I'm doing now. I'm very fortunate that I've I've made good money. I've made good investments. Like if I never worked another day, I would be okay. So for me, it's like I enjoy what I do. Like I love entrepreneurship. Don't get me wrong. I want to make more money. I like kind of what I'm doing. But for me, it's now spreading this education. And I forget who I heard say this recently. But it was a quote where somebody was saying that happiness comes 
from making other people happy. Yeah. I really resonated with that because that's how I've felt for a long time that like I don't really get a lot of joy getting myself things. Like I really don't really care, but I, when I get like my somebody else something, when I make somebody else happy, that brings me a lot of fulfillment and joy. And I am able to spread this education. I've built a platform that allows me to do that and helping to show like look dude wherever you are in life that's okay if you want to be somewhere else you can get there because i think a lot of us we grow up with crazy dreams and then somewhere along the way those dreams get crushed might be your parents might be school might be your job it might be your spouse something comes along the way and you have to put your dreams on hold and some people are able to then say you know what i'm going to follow my dreams i used to like really analyze this when I first started YouTube and it was kind of like, I didn't know what type of content to create. So I just started look, studying successful people. And so I would like look at people like Steve Harvey and he was like a big like inspiration for me. Cause I was like, what made Steve Harvey, Steve Harvey? Yeah. He wasn't like some special dude that grew up with like everything. No man. Like he, he literally, he was, he was a janitor working the night shift. And one day he saw his, his boy on TV, on comedy central, living his dreams and he was like, man, I gave up because people were laughing at me when I said I wanted to be on TV. He's actually doing it. And I'm sitting here working in a factory. I'm a janitor. So he gave up his job. He said, like, you know what? I'm going to go live in my car if I don't make enough money. And that's what he did. He's like, I got a paid off car. He lived in his car for three years. And it sounds so easy now. Oh, three years? No, dude, do you understand? Three years is month after month after month after month after mm. month, 36 times. Yeah. And he's just going up to, showing up to events eating whatever food they got, showering at gyms, showering where, like if he's got a hotel, he'd ask for, you know, extra late checkout. That way he can spend an extra day on a bed. And it's just like the opportunities there. Success isn't everything, but it's like, dude, if you have a dream, you can, you can do what you want, but sometimes you just need a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of guidance. And for me, it's like, look, man, like life is short. Make it worthwhile. Yeah. So our audience, um, you know, we're kind of like tied to dance culture, right? Like even where Ken just started, we started as just a dance crew. And then, you know, we kind of evolved into a business, into a brand, into an idea. You guys are killing it, man. Thank, thank you, you thank you, and, and you know, but like we're we're not in our twenties anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we we've definitely learned that if we want to keep this thing going, we have to shift our mindset. Yeah. You know, like it all starts with the mind, as you 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 mentioned a lot. So can you talk a little bit about why you think mindset is the first place where everything starts from? And then can you also explain what minority mindset means? So let me just start with the second one. It'll be easier to explain. So minority mindset, it's the mindset of thinking differently than the majority of people. It's not really the way you look because anybody can have that minority mindset. It's just about thinking differently. Now, why is that important? Why is your mindset so important? I say, look, all success starts with your mindset. If you believe you can do it, doesn't mean you're going to do it, but it means you possibly could do it. Yeah. And if you tell yourself, I can't do something, I guarantee you, you won't be able to do it. Like, it's just a fact. That's the thing that differentiates somebody who becomes successful and who doesn't is, I believe I can do it. Mm -hmm. And it might be completely outrageous. Like, what I say is, like, I've always been known as the guy that when I do something, I want to be called stupid. Like, it's a stupid idea, and that's a stupid idea that then becomes a good idea. But I was stupid enough to believe in myself. And, you know, looking back, yeah, I get it. I get why people call me stupid. Like, I, I was doing a bunch of dumb things. I made a lot of mistakes. I did a lot of things wrong. But 
it's how you learn and you got to be willing to be crazy enough to believe in yourself and it it only makes sense when you look back at it when you're trying to do it it just seems like the whole world is just imploding everything is going wrong and that mindset of like it doesn't matter you're just gonna do it and it's easier if you have a good environment around you like i was lucky like i talked to my, my business partner right my boy like literally it was me and like two other dudes we were all in our same age so we started getting together when we were like in our teenage years they were all djs they were all kind of like outcasts as well we were all kind of just doing our own thing and we didn't know what we wanted we don't know how to do it we just knew we wanted to become successful all of our parents were like go do something like normal and we we're like no we want to do our own thing so we were just kind of like had our own group we were like really close friends we hung out all the time when one of us would get kicked out of the house we'd go to the other person's house and sleep in the basement over there so it was like one of those like we were just cool and i think that was really helpful for me especially in the early stages because like we just talk about all like the things that were going on and we're like yeah man one day we're gonna make it big one day we're gonna do something and you know we didn't know what we were gonna do and we all kind of did different things but now we kind of look back and we're like man I don't know why we were doing the things that we did, but you know, somehow it worked out. And I think that's the important thing is like, you need that constant reminder for you. Yeah. And if you can't get it from your friends, if you can't get it from your family, do it with books. If you can't get it from books, watch YouTube videos. And now there's like a lot of online forums, which weren't there 10 years ago. Put yourself in an environment where you're like around people that want to do something big. Cause mm -hmm. when you're constantly around that, like, especially the man, when, you, when you're like a, in an immigrant family, you got a lot of judgments and a lot of expectations. And that whole thing of like the family orientation, the way that, you know, your aunts are going to be talking about you, the way that random people are going to be saying things about you, it really can dampen the way that you look at things. And that's where you got to just kind of like, either you got to be tough enough to say, screw you, I'm going to do whatever I want. Or you got to give yourself like a place where you can go and and, and have that kind of support yeah. to get it. Hey, what's up, folks? This is Ben dropping in to say we hope you're enjoying our chat with Jaspreet. If you want to hear the second part of the conversation, head over to the feed right now, and part two is right there waiting for you.